Well, it's good to see everybody today. Those of you who are watching online and join us on television, thanks for getting up early or staying up late. And for all of you in the room, it's good to see you. Real quick, uh, last Sunday, um, Sandra got home before I did, my wife Sandra, which is normally the case when I got home. She said, come here, I want to show you something, I want to show you something. So I followed her back to her room and to her closet and check this out. This is awesome. Look at that. You know what that is? That is the work of the ultimate pastor's wife right there, Okay. <laughs> She took the message before I even got home, contextualized it, and put a, the list of things that she was going to wear based on the message. Uh, that, that's unbelievable. And the reason is because most pastor's wives, when the pastor gets home, she goes, you know that thing you were trying to talk about? Well, I don't think that was very clear. And you know that thing? Nah, 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 nah. But I have like the ultimate wife, so she actually takes notes in my message and then applies them. So if you don't know what that is, it's because you weren't here last week, so let me catch you up real quick. Last week, we talked about follow where. We talked about chick flip. PG, how many of you tried to put on your follower this week at least one time? Yeah, eight of you. That's incredible. Do you know how encouraging that is to me that eight of you tried to apply the message? I'm just glad my wife put a sign in her closet. No. Well, last week we talked about if you're going to be a Jesus follower, what you're supposed to wear. But if you didn't see it last week or if you missed it, I've got great news for you. If you will go to followseries.org, followseries.org, you can watch last week's message. You get your own follower going, put your own sign in your own closet, do something cool. All the messages for this whole series are on this website. They'll be there for the rest of your life. And we have questions for each of those. So if you're in a small group, community group, or you want to start a group and discuss this content, it will all be there waiting on you. Now, the name of the series is Follow, and we've been asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And we've been looking at narratives in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, where Jesus invited people to follow him or talk to people about what it meant to follow. When we've answered the question, if you're going to follow Jesus, where does it lead? Then last week, we asked the question, what are you supposed to wear? And so today, um, I want to give you the fine print the fine print. You know, in every contract, you know, there's, there's you know, the, the big promise, but then there's the fine print. And as we talked about throughout this series, um, you know, there, there are a lot of advantages to following Jesus. That's pretty much what the series has been about. But um, as many of you have discovered, and as everybody ultimately discovers at some point along the way, it's going to cost you something. There's a price to pay to follow Jesus. And that's in that moment when you discover whose you really are. It's in that moment that you discover, am I really a follower or am I simply a consumer? So today I want to take you to a passage of scripture. It's Mark chapter 8. If you have a Bible or have a Bible or however you get there, if you haven't downloaded a U version, a version of the Bible, you need to do that. Right, not right now, but later. You, it's a free version of the Bible. It's all different versions, all different translations, different languages, and you carry Bible around with you everywhere you go on your mobile device. But in Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus realizes that the people who've been following him have sort of been along for the ride. They're just consumers and not necessarily followers. And he does a little teaching and it it opens the door to um, some big, big, kind of big life questions that I want us to wrestle with a little bit today as we're together. As we, again, sort of look at the fine print and realize following Jesus, um, there's huge benefits to following Jesus. I mean, they're, you know, you're, you're just going to be a better father, better mother. You're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better person. You're going to be more honest. You're going to forgive quicker. You're going to be more generous. You're going to serve with more enthusiasm. Huge benefits to following Jesus. In fact, Jesus even said, if you obey what I teach, you're like a person who builds their house on a rock. If you're a person who doesn't obey what I teach, you're like a person who builds your house on the sand. Then when the storms of life come, if you built your house on the rock, you stand. If you built your house on the sand, you don't. And some of you have seen that. You've seen people face extraordinary um, difficulty in their life. And because they had you know, a firm faith foundation, you've been like, you've been like wow, you know, look at them go. So that's, there are huge benefits in following Jesus. But at some point along the way, there's a price 
to pay. And so it's at this point, Mark chapter 8, that Jesus kind of explains to his first century physical right there in the moment followers what that looks like. So Mark chapter 8, here we go. I'll read this to you. Uh, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he asked them this interesting question, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Now, I recommend that you not ever ask this question at lunch, okay? Hey, who, what are people saying about me? You may not want to know, and worse than that, they may not be saying anything about you. But Jesus knew that there was kind of a buzz about what was going on, so he says to his apostles, his closest followers, hey, what are people saying about me? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, who had recently been beheaded, and they thought maybe he'd come back to life in the form of Jesus. Others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but what about you guys? What about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately raised his hand and said, I know, I know, I know, I know. See, Peter says, you are the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a, a Jewish term. The Greek term is Christ. Some of you thought Christ was Jesus' last name. Not so. Um, Christ, you should know that, okay? Don't laugh, all right? How are we supposed to know if the preacher doesn't tell us, right? Um, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, and Hebrew, the Hebrew word is Messiah, and it really means anointed one. And the Jewish people, ancient Jewish people, were waiting for God to send his anointed one. And Peter goes, I know who you are. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the anointed one. And Jesus responded this way. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about it. It's like, what? I thought that's what we're supposed to do. And Jesus says, bingo, that's the right answer. Shh, it's not time for everybody to know exactly who I am. So once he had identified himself with his closest followers, then he begins to tell them that, hey, there may be a price to pay for following me. Listen to what he says. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man, that would be him, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priest, and the teachers of the law. And worse, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke plainly about this. And Peter, who just recognized, you know, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now look at this picture. So he's telling his closest followers, here's what's gonna happen, things are gonna get tough, you know, you, you're following me now, I hope you'll continue to follow me. And Peter's like, wait, 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 time out, Jesus. And he's, he, he pulls him out of the crowd and says, come here, come here. Look, don't go negative on us. All right, things are good. I mean, people are fine. Look at the crowd. Everywhere we go, there's a crowd. You're famous. I'm kind of famous, you know. And then, you know, John, he's not quite as famous as me. But things are going, is going well. And what do you mean you're going to be arrested and killed? You're not going to be killed. You're the Messiah. You're not going to be killed. Are you kidding? There was that storm, remember? And you said, hey, storm, knock it off. And the weather obeys you. How are you going to be killed? Now, no more negative. Let's go back over there and talk about prayer or something positive. But, you know, no more of this, you know, death and dying stuff. Hmm. But when Jesus turned, he looked at his disciples, and then he did what Peter did. He rebuked Peter. Check this out. Get behind me, Satan, he said. Whoo. Get behind me, Satan, he said. And listen to why he was so harsh with Peter. You, he says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, this is a big verse for a lot of us. You don't simply have, you don't have God's concerns in mind, you have human concerns. So let me explain what's going on. He, he kind of calls Peter out. He says, Peter, let's, let's just be honest, all right? Don't try to hide from me. You've enjoyed following me. It's been great, hadn't it? I mean, you're Peter, you know, the fisherman. Everybody knows you, right? It's good to follow me. But Peter, 
You're acting like a consumer, not a follower. A consumer is in this for what they can get out of it. I want you to be my follower, which means when you, when I go somewhere that's not as pleasurable, when I go somewhere that it might cost you something, I want to know that you're with me. And the reason I'm rebuking you so harshly is because you've just exposed something. You're not concerned about what's going to happen to me. You're concerned about what's going to happen to you because of what might happen to me. And then Jesus decides to use this as a teaching moment, not simply for his apostles, but for everybody in the crowd. And he reveals the fine print, the fine print for what it means to follow Jesus. Look at this. Then he called the crowd. Remember, there's the apostles and then there's the crowd. Then he called the crowd to him along with his apostles and he began to teach. So he says, you guys join us. Everybody have a seat. Apostles, you get on the front row. You really need this. You know, Peter, front and center. Okay, listen up. Has everybody gathered around? And then he reveals to them what it's going to mean from this point on to follow him. Now, this is very important, what I'm about to say. So if you checked out, check back in for just a minute, okay? This is a literal, physical, in the moment, eyeball to eyeball, Jesus, you know, conversation with Jesus. What Jesus says to them is absolutely literal because of what is actually literally about to happen to him. He's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be arrested and he's going to be tried and he's going to be crucified. And if you follow too closely behind the person that's, you know, arrested, tried and crucified, you might be arrested, tried and crucified as well. You might be confused as someone who's part of that group and he just wants them to know up front what's about to happen. Now, here's the great news for you and for me. That won't happen to you. No matter how closely you follow Jesus, you will not be crucified. You may have to make some difficult decisions, but nothing like what these guys were about to have to face. So listen to what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple, which means follower, whoever wants to be my follower or disciple must deny themselves and take up their, and this scared them to death, and take up their cross, there's our word, and follow me. Whoever wants to really be my disciple, whoever wants to be a follower, not simply a Jesus consumer. I like to follow Jesus because it's cool. I like to obey Jesus because I'm a better person and things go better. Our marriage is so much better since we've been following Jesus. That's good. There are huge benefits to following Jesus. He says, but if you want to really be my follower, from time to time, you are going to have to deny yourself. Now, that's not like some big theological scary thing. You do this all the time. You've done this at the table. Would you like to order dessert? No, I'm going to deny myself. That's what it means. To deny yourself, you're going, oh, well, then I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah, about half the time. No. <clears throat> to deny yourself, to deny yourself simply means you say no to you. Here's something I want, but I don't think that's best for me. I say no to me. I have two options. This would be fine. This is more beneficial, more healthy. I'm going to say no to me. So we all know what it means to deny ourselves. So Jesus says there's going to be a time. There are going to be moments There are going to be forks in the road, crossroads. There are going to be intersections. There's going to be points of tension where what I want for you and what you want for you are different. And in that moment, you have to decide if you're going to be a consumer or a follower. And if you decide to be a follower, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to say no to you in order to follow me. And then he looks at this crowd. He says, and I don't want you to miss where this is going. I don't want to pull any punches. I don't want you to be surprised. If you follow me from this point forward, you better mentally put strap on the idea that you're going to have to take up a cross and follow me now. 
When we think cross, we think jewelry, we think kind of a, a filtered picture, a picture hanging in one of our parents' houses or something that hung in one of your homes or you know, you've seen a couple movies and it was gory but there was music playing in the background and if you'd muted the sound, it wasn't so bad. You've never smelled it, you've never seen it and I could give you graphic descriptions of what happens to a body when it's crucified. Some of you would have to leave the room. We've never seen it. It's all very much glorified and romanticized. But the group sitting there listening to Jesus that day had passed by many crosses because Rome left them there a long time to terrify people into submission. It was a horrible way to die. And Jesus says, you need to understand, if you're gonna follow me from this point forward, it may cost you something. You are going to have to deny yourself now. You can imagine, they are scared to death, all right? Some, some of the people in the crowd are like, okay, I think this is where I say bye-bye. I think this is where I say, you know, this has been great, that whole miracle thing, and you healed my mother-in-law, and I was kind of conflicted about that, but it was a miracle, you know, and it was great, you know, and, you know, you fed everybody, and then I heard about that walking on water thing, and, you know, it's just been awesome, but now you're telling us it's gonna cost us something. I'm not so sure, ready for this? I'm not so sure following you is going to be worth it from now on. And Jesus knows the hearts of men. He knows your heart. knows my heart. He knows that scares us to death. I mean, you're a college student. You got your whole life ahead of you. It's like, okay, maybe I should start following Jesus when I'm 60. What kind of trouble could I get into when I'm 60, you know? So I think I'm going to wait and follow Jesus later. Those are logical thoughts. I understand. That's why some of you left the church. That's why some of you haven't been in church in a long time. Because it just costs too much to follow Jesus. I'll be back to that later. It's not that you don't believe. You just don't want to say no to you. I understand that. Jesus understood that. And so he's looking at this crowd. who's just like us. Like, oh, I don't know, you know. He didn't tell us this up front. And Jesus now says, now before you leave, and before you get all freaked out, before you get too worried, let me, let me put the invitation to follow me in a broader context. And I'm telling you, if you're not a Bible reader, you just don't take the scripture seriously. This is so brilliant. These are the kinds of things I read them and I think, who could make this up? And if somebody made this up, they should have taken credit for it. If I had thoughts this significant, I would have put my name. And then Andy said, now I would not, I would not have given these ideas away. This is so rich and so deep and so powerful. Listen to what Jesus says to this crowd that's suddenly worried about, is it worth it? to really follow you. Look what he says. For whoever wants to save their life, that's me. Would you like to save your life? Yes, well you do too. That's why you eat the way you do, that's why you exercise, you wanna save your life. Anybody wanna save their life? Yes. So everybody in the crowd's like, okay, because Jesus is the brilliant communicator, so he says something that everyone in the audience is gonna go, okay, yep, I'm there, common ground. Whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. Oh yeah, that's right. No matter how well I eat, no matter how many days I exercise, no matter what kind of environments I stay away from, no matter how many bad habits I break, no matter how hard I work to save my life, one day I'm going to lose it. All right, we're with you. Jesus continues. But whoever loses their life for me, whoever loses their life, well, that's everybody, that's right. 
But whoever chooses to follow me and in the process of following me loses their life that they're going to lose anyway, loses something of value that they're going to die and leave anyway, loses a relationship that's going to end anyway, loses anything that they would embrace that they would say, this is my life, this is what life is about. Jesus says anyone who loses what they consider life because they chose to follow me and for the sake of the gospel will save it. What? He says, yeah, I know it's scary. I'm scaring you to death, but I just need you to know the end game. That the life you're trying to save, you're gonna lose. But wow, if you follow me and you lose your life or whatever life is to you, if you follow me and you lose that opportunity, if you follow me and in following me, you lose that relationship. If in following me, you lose something that you consider valuable, I just want you to know. You were gonna lose it anyway, but if you lose it for me, if you lose it because you lost it because you decided to follow me and there was a fork in the road and you had to say no to you and yes to me, I'm telling you, you're saving your life. What seems like a loss is no loss at all because whatever it is you lose, you're gonna have to lose anyway. I'm giving you an opportunity to lose it with a purpose and a meaning attached to it. Wow. See, if I thought that up, I would have taken credit for that. He's not even done. He's not even started. Good, listen to this. What good, he asked him a really important question. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and forfeit, forfeit means have to pay, give up, trade in, lose. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? He says, let's play an imaginary game. Let's imagine you had everything. Everything. Let's imagine you had everybody. Let's imagine you had every opportunity. Let's imagine that people looked at you and said, man, she has the whole world. Why would you look at him? He's got the whole world. Look where he lives. Look what he drives. Look where he travels. Look how he travels. Look who he travels with. I mean, that guy, that guy, they, they, that couple, they have the whole world. He said, um, he said think about this. What good is it if you somehow gain the whole world? In other words, just use your wildest imagination and you've got all of it, whatever the, however that works for you. For some of you, it's horses. For some of you, it's cars. For some of you, it's a farm. For some of you, it's the penthouse. It doesn't matter. Whatever the whole world is for you. He says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and then at the end of the life that you're trying to save that we all lose, what if at the end of the life, and I mean, you had a good life. You had the awesomest life. You were like the ninja of awesomest life person. You were like, you had the awesomest life in the world, but if at the end of that incredible, enviable life that everybody wanted and everybody was jealous of, he said, what if at the end of that life that you can't hold on to anyway, you forfeited, gave away, gave up, traded off your soul? Now, if you're a person that thinks, well, I don't believe there's like a soul, I think when you die, you die, that's not a problem. Did you know most of the people probably in, in Jesus' Jewish community believe that? Because there was a group called the Sadducees. They believe that once you die, that's it. That you're here for the pleasure of God, and then once you die, that's it. There's no afterlife. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> a little Bible trivia, you can use that tomorrow. Right, so the Sadducees... The Sadducees actually taught that there's no resurrection, there's no life after death. And the reason they believe that is because if you take the Old Testament, you know, the, the older part, Genesis, you know, then all the prophets, you won't find anything about heaven. There's no teaching in the Old Testament that says, here's how you go to heaven, here's what it's like in heaven, here's what happens in the afterlife. The whole Old Testament was written as if once you die, that's the end. 
And then there were a group of Jewish people that came along and said, no, we think there's an afterlife. And Jesus came along and said, you're right. There is a heaven that your soul, and see, most of you believe this, even if you're not a Christ follower or even a Christian, even if you don't even have a lot of religious belief, 97% of Americans believe there's something beyond this life. How could 97% of us be wrong, right? Anyway, so most people believe, I don't know, most people believe there's an afterlife. Jesus believed there's an afterlife, and Jesus said, now just use your imagination. What if at the end of the most awesome life imaginable, you realized that by living this incredible life, you forfeited eternity. You forfeited your soul. You'd say, well, what does that mean, you forfeit your soul? He doesn't tell us, but I think it's not good to forfeit your soul. Maybe it means you're just out of business, existence. You just go out of existence. Maybe it means hell. Maybe it means you're tormented. Maybe it means, I don't know, he doesn't even tell us. He said, but if you knew that the most amazing life in the world, hanging on to that, would cause you to forfeit your soul, how would you respond to that equation? And as they're thinking about it, he continues because he's brilliant. He says this, or what can, or actually for us in the future, better translation is what would, or what would you give in exchange for your soul? He said, now let's turn, let's turn it around and think about it this way. Let's say that you're at the end of your awesome life and you've got massive possessions. You have everything you could possibly want. You're just like the greatest, you know, you've you just amassed all this wealth, but you're at the end of your life and it dawns on you, an angel visits you. I mean, this is all hypothetical and all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I am about to go into an eternity where I have forfeited my soul. And Jesus says, in that moment, what, this is such a great question. In that moment, what would you trade to get your soul back? What would you trade so that you didn't have to forfeit your soul? And everybody knows the answer to that question. You would trade everything. You would trade all. You would not negotiate. What do I have to do to not forfeit my soul? Give everything you have away. You got it. Because I'm going to lose it anyway. And in that moment, Jesus answers both questions. What good is it if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? It's no good. And what would you give in exchange for your soul? Everything. To which Jesus, the brilliant teacher, says, look what you've just discovered about yourself. Those of you who are afraid to follow me, those of you who are afraid of what you're going to have to give up, those of you who are afraid that, you know, I'm going to have to say no to myself, you just made a remarkable discovery about yourselves. Here's what you just discovered. You consider your soul of greater worth than all of your possessions. You consider your soul of greater value than anyone you may ever know or anyone you may ever have a relationship with. You consider your soul of such great value that there are scenarios under which you would trade all of your things and your potential things in order to save your soul. That is a remarkable, life-changing, defining moment. Discovery. For an individual. And so the people in Jesus' audience who were so scared to follow him, they realized, oh my gosh, you, you're telling us that even if we have to deny ourselves to follow you into Jerusalem, even if we have to deny ourselves in order to be your follower, that whatever we give up to follow you, we were going to have to give it up anyway because you can't take anything with you and we all lose everything eventually. But you're saying we have an opportunity to give it up in such a way that it impacts the destination and the shape and the future of our souls. So this really isn't as big a sacrifice as you made it sound like to begin with. 
And Jesus would say, exactly. If you recognize that you value the future of your soul more than you value anything or anyone on the planet. Is that, if you had thought that up, would you have given that idea away? No, these are the words of Jesus, but he's not done. Now remember, these are literal people. They're about to get up and go in a direction where their lives will be threatened. Good news is, that's not gonna happen to us, but here's what he says. If any of you, talking about the people right there in front of him, if any of you are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, if any of you are ashamed of me, in other words, okay, as we go forward and somebody says, hey, you're one of those Jesus followers, and you say, oh, no, 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 not me. I was just walking by. I don't, I'm not really like a follower. You know, I just, you know, they were selling stuff, and I, you know, I was just there for the miracles. I just heard it. I'm not, no. He says, if any of you who claim to be my follower, when it kind of gets tough, when you start having to deny yourself, if all of a sudden you are ashamed to be associated with me, the son of man will be ashamed of you when he comes in his father's glory with the holy angels. <laughs> what is that? You know, the Bible talks about that. It's, it's just one of those future things where we give an account for our lives. Now here's the somewhat encouraging thing. The guy front and center was the guy that saw this and thought, I'm never gonna be ashamed of you. Remember, who was that? Peter, you know, Peter, you're the Messiah. Peter, I'm gonna rebuke you. Peter, I'm never gonna be ashamed of you. <laughs> Not too long after that, a middle school girl, you know this, aren't you one of those Galileans? Never heard of him. <laughs> Peter denies Jesus. And do you know what Jesus did? He kicked his butt right out of that group. Now, he says, Peter, I forgive you. Now I'm going to put you in charge of the whole enterprise. Don't do that again. <laughs> and Peter died for what he said he saw, a risen Savior. So, what's the moral of this story? It's, it's, it's a good one. It's that salvation is free. It costs us nothing. Salvation is free. It cost us nothing. That you become a child of God by placing your faith in Christ and it cost you nothing because at the cross, Jesus paid the price for your salvation. Salvation, becoming a Christian, becoming a member of the household of God through Christ is absolutely free. You can't do anything to earn it. Salvation is free. It costs you nothing. But following Christ in your lifestyle, following Christ in this life, following Christ in this generation, this sinful and adulterous generation is gonna eventually cost you something. In other words, at some point in the journey, there's gonna be a conflict of interest and you're gonna have a decision to make. And in that moment, you will know that this is the moment that we're talking about today. Because the thing that it is that you feel like you need to do or not do, it's gonna feel like a moral imperative. In other words, it's not gonna be something everybody else has to do. It won't necessarily be something everybody else needs to stop doing. It won't be something that everybody around you agrees needs to be done or not done. It will be as if inside of you, your conscience comes alive and you're just gonna know, if I'm gonna be a Jesus follower, I can't go. I can't participate. I need to stay, I need to leave. I need not to call back. I need not to take that job. I need not to move, I need not to take the raise, I need not to take the position. You're just gonna know. It's not gonna be a verse. It's not gonna be a sermon. You're, you're just gonna know, oh my gosh, this is, that, this is that moment. 
This is that moment where I have to decide, am I a Jesus consumer or a Jesus follower? Because to follow Jesus from this point forward is gonna cost me something. It's just gonna feel like a right or wrong issue for you. Not only that, it's gonna feel a little bit like a death. Because in some cases, it's gonna be part of your dream. I've always dreamed that someday I would, and then I got to that moment, and I realized that to follow Jesus, I had to die to my dream. I always imagined that one day I would grow up and I always imagined and I thought maybe someday and maybe one day and then I got to the place where I actually had that opportunity and I realized that because of circumstances that if I went forward with that, ah, I would basically be turning my back on following Jesus and it's, it's just gonna, it's gonna feel like a death. But you know what else it's gonna be? In the long run, it's gonna be a defining moment for you. Because if you decide to say no to you and yes to your savior, you will discover something that you can't discover any other way. You will discover in that defining moment whose you really are. In that moment, you'll discover I'm not just a consumer. I'm a follower because I said no to me in order to say yes to him. And as difficult as it is, and as agonizing as it is, and as emotional as it is, I wish that for all of you. Because in that moment, you'll you'll never be the same. Now, I I know that because as most of you know, I'm a preacher's kid. I I was raised with this kind of teaching. I was raised on these kind of verses. I was raised around this. And I remember specifically the incidents in my life, especially college, the the first time that I, you know, up until college, you know, being a Christian was very advantageous. You know, you just were better. You just stayed out of trouble. I mean, really, you just did. You know, you just didn't get into bad habits because you followed Jesus. But wow, that first time in college where, uh uh-oh, this is gonna cost me. This is, all of a sudden, it's not gonna benefit me. I'll never forget that story. It was a defining moment for me. Now, on my first date with Sandra, um, you know, I did all the talking and she was so quiet and I kept trying to find out more and more about her, you know, and I was a little bit nervous and she was so cute and I was, you know, so not cute. And, you know, it's just, you know, that, you know, that first date. And I asked her a question and it, and it stirred a little, you know, I could tell it was a little bit emotional and I didn't know any better. So I just started saying, tell me, tell me, tell me. And I've told you this story before, I'm not gonna tell you today, but let me just tell you, she told me a story about a decision that cost her in order to follow Jesus. A story that was so powerful, I think I fell in love with her, maybe over that story, because I thought, here is a woman who's not simply a Jesus consumer, and I was raised in church, so I'm a church person, but here's an opportunity that every young woman would love to embrace, but for her to embrace and admit that she had to back away from her love and her passion for Christ. And she said no, and I thought, oh my gosh, I think I wanna spend the rest of my life with her. And years would go by and we would talk about that story and you know how interesting it was that she told me and what a defining moment was for her. And I said, maybe one day if we have a little girl, that, maybe it's gonna be that story, that defining moment for you that God will use to instill in our children a passion for Christ. And that yeah, following Jesus, there are huge advantages. But every once in a while, you're gonna have to say no to you, and it's gonna cost you. And I remember when Allie was old enough for us to tell her that story about her mom. As a parent, you know, I'm proud of my kids for all kinds of things they do with sports and academics and you know, everything. But I'm telling you, the stories, 
that just move me to tears when I think about them with my children? Are those defining moments where faith says we go this way and everybody else in culture says you go this way? And sometimes tearfully they have decided, no, I'm gonna follow Jesus. About five months ago, I'm driving, uh, I was at North Point, or Alpharetta campus, and I'm driving up the driveway, and it was cold, and I see this kid walking up the sidewalk, he's got on a t-shirt, but it's one of our volunteer t-shirts, so I know he's, you know, part of the team, and, you know, when you are a parent, and you see someone who isn't wearing enough clothes, you get cold on their behalf. <laughs> Remember growing up, your parents would say, you need a coat, and you're like, I'm not a cold, and your parents are like, yeah, but I'm cold, put on a coat, Okay. <laughs> You remember that? So I'm like the parent driving up there. I'm going, man, he's making me cold. So I either got to get him in the car or, go, or, you know, look the other way. So I pulled over. I said, hey, get in the car, man. It's freezing. So he gets in the car. I said, where are you going? I thought he was going up to his car. He said, actually, I live really close by. And I was going to walk home. I'm like, oh, man, I'll, I'll take you home. So I'm driving this kid home. Never met him before. And let me pause and say, if you think, isn't Andy the greatest? Okay, I've only done this one time. Okay, so don't, <laughs> don't give me any more credit than I deserve. Okay, I, you know, so anyways, I don't pick up stranded people on the side of the road. Don't even recommend it. So, so I'm driving this kid home. Never met him before. He's in his 20s, you know. And I'm asking, where are you from? What are you doing? Where do you live? And so this is the story I finally dragged out of him, reluctantly. Just graduated from college co-opt all the way through for a, um, a, a content company that c- delivers content to your television screens for probably 30% of you in the room, a big telecommunications company here in Atlanta. He said, and you know what? He says, they've offered me a job. He said, in fact, they told me I don't even have to interview. The job is mine if I want it. He said, the pay is great. I get benefits. It's just, just it's the dream job, you know, right out of college. And I've already been in that environment. They know me and I know them. And I could tell there was a but He said, but, he said, Pastor, the job would require me to to sit in basically a studio and monitor multiple screens of content that go out through our company to homeowners and companies. He said, and there's one bank of content that's all adult content. He said, and I know God doesn't want me to expose myself to that every single day, day after day after day. And you know, and I, I just remember driving, being torn, thinking, oh my gosh, it's so hard to get a good job. But, but yeah, and you know, there's the, the sort of the dad side of me and the, oh, the Christian side of me. And I'm like, well, surely there's a way. I mean, I just hate to see you, t-, you know, so we talked and talked and talked. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, I have to tell him this week. I said, well, can you at least, you know, you know address them and say, hey, what about, he said, and this is what he told me later. He said, when I told them that I didn't want to sit in a room where I was exposed to adult content day in and day out, he said, no one, they said to me that no one's ever brought that up before. That's never been a problem for anybody else. And he turned the job down and they gave it to somebody else. And that was five months ago. And he still doesn't have a job, this kid. So I've thought about him so many times and I see him, he still volunteers, he's got the greatest attitude. So I'm studying for this this passage of scripture and I'm looking at, you know, sometimes to follow Jesus, it's, you know, consumer follower and I'm thinking, wow. So I was out of town, so I had one of our staff members called Joshua, his name is Joshua. And I asked if I could share a story. And he said, yes, but here was what was so precious. He said, pastor, if you share my story, please let our church know that I have not lacked for anything since I made that decision and God has provided for my needs. And he said, and make sure you tell everybody on time.
And he said, if there's time, I would love if you would share the verse that has gotten me through this difficult time. College kid. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now that's an awesome verse when you are fully employed and you know the sky is blue and you've paid off your car and you know she calls you back and you're gonna get the job and they're not gonna make you move. I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and you put it up on your bulletin board and your mirror and you put it on a card or you buy a calendar and it's just precious. Put it in your kid's lunch, you know, lunch box. But when it looks like the Lord doesn't have much of a plan for you, when it looks like there was an awesome plan and you've worked hard and you've done your best and there was the opportunity of a lifetime and the only way to follow Jesus was to turn it down, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Salvation is free. It won't cost you anything. Jesus did all that. But following Christ will eventually cost you something. Now, here's the good news. The good news is you don't have to worry about this. You really don't. Because when the moment comes, you'll know. If you've been following Jesus to the best of your ability and you don't believe it all necessarily, but you're learning and you're you're getting it, when the the moment comes, you're gonna know, you're gonna know, oh, this is that thing they were talking about. This is that I can't say yes to me and Jesus. I'm gonna have to say no to one of us. You're gonna know. And you know something? I think you're gonna do the right thing. I think God's been so faithful to you in the past when you get there, it's gonna be like, this is that thing. And yeah, it's difficult and it's emotional and it does feel like a death because I just thought we had a future together. Now I found out this about him or I found out this about her and I, 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 and and, wow, it, it feels like a death, but I'm about to discover whose I really am. And you know what? You don't need to worry. I think you're gonna do the right thing. And when the time come, when the moment come, when the moments come, you'll know that I think you'll do the right thing. For others of you, um, you feel like I just have been looking over your shoulder for the past week because you're like, I can't believe this. This is exactly what I'm dealing with. This is exactly where I am. I have to give somebody an answer this week. Their text is on my phone and I haven't responded yet. There's an email at home waiting on me. There's a situation that I've got to deal with soon and I've just been torn because my conscience bothers me. It's, it's, it's like, it feels like a moral imperative to walk away. It feels like a death. And you're right in the middle of it. So let me just say something to you. Since you just acknowledged that you value your soul more than anything else in this world, and since it can't be a coincidence that I'm talking about this today, and you're watching or you're sitting here, And since God has been so faithful to you in the past, then come on, follow, follow, follow. Listen, in the future, this is just going to be a story that you tell. That's it. This is it. This is going to be a story that you tell. And it will be a story of, you know, I was a Christian, I was following Jesus, doing the best, and then there was this thing. Which story do you want to tell? Which story do you want to tell? And it'll be a story of, I couldn't say no to me. Or I decided to say no to me. 
I couldn't say yes to Jesus or I decided to say yes to Jesus. Which story do you want to tell? Follow. See, salvation's free. It won't cost you anything. Following Christ, eventually, it's going to cost you something and that's okay because of the discovery that you're going to make about you and the faithfulness of your heavenly father. One last thing. In that crowd that day in front of Jesus, there were a bunch of people. And do you know what happened to all of the people that said, no, that's too much to ask. Do you know what happened to them? Me neither. I have no idea. But do you know what I bet? I bet on the other side of a resurrected savior. I bet on the other side of the day that the streets of Jerusalem were packed with people because Jesus had risen from the dead. I bet you they would have given everything to go back to that moment and follow and follow and follow. Salvation is free. It won't cost you anything. Following Christ, it'll eventually cost you something. Refusing to follow Jesus, I think it'll cost you a lot, lot more. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for preserving this conversation between your son and his followers. Thank you for preserving it for us to wrestle with. And Father, I know this this message lands in many, many places for many, many people. Would you give each of us the wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard and the courage to do it? I pray for college students, Father, who are just right in the middle of that, which way do I go with my life? For high school students that are just facing a culture that could care less about you or anything related to you. For the businessmen and women who live and work in a culture where your name is rarely used in a positive way, that you'd give them eyes to see and that they would choose to follow you. And we pray all of these things in the matchless name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.